I just want to say thank you once again. It's, it's, uh, it's always uh, a way of giving thanks when I can say, uh, speak. When I can speak, it's, it's, it's my two mites for God. You know what I mean? It, it, it's my, it becomes my two mites. Well, let me put it up. Or I can just use a microphone. It doesn't matter. But it's, it's my two mites to say thank you to God. I mean, what, how can we repay God? We can't repay God. There's no way. Uh, I, I want to say, I wanna say uh, thank you on behalf of Monolo School. We're finishing up our second year there. Oh, Monday night we had a meeting. Just for a little moment, some people lost focus. And we were thinking about money so much. And they were thinking about all these things. And finally, what I had to say was, how does God measure, how does God measure success? How does God measure success? Because in all the things that we do at the school, I say if we all fellowship, we all walk away happy, no one's mad, then we've done well. God be glorified. But money became a big, hot issue. <laughs> I'm like, oh, brother. I want to go home. I want to go to heaven already. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. But that's not a good enough reason for God to come yet. Because we're sick and tired of this world is not a good reason for God to come yet. Some people, Lord, we're tired. We see what's going on in, in the world. We're tired, Lord. I want to go home. God's like, you're not ready. With my daughter... She'll look at me, she'll say, Daddy, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I know as a parent, I look at her, you say you're ready, but I know you're not ready. I know you're not ready. And God says, I know you're tired of this world, but that's not enough. It's not enough. All right. That's the wrong sermon. That's another sermon for another time. I'm going to start on today. You know, I love music, and each morning in our classroom, we do about 25 minutes of music. And the kids love it, and love it. And yesterday we went to Halea Nui Nui, restorative healthcare. We have a, a church member there that's 102 years old. And she's there, and, and oh, it's so wonderful. And I'm like, oh, Lupita, nice to see you. And um, I love music, and one place that I love to sing is when I surf. I'll go out, and between the waves, I'll just look around at nature, and I'll always sing Christian songs. And the one, song, one song that I always sing is uh, this song. It goes like this. Uh, I need you, Lord, in all I do. You're always there to see me through. I can't get by unless I lean on you, Lord. The Lord has a will, and I have a need to follow that will, to humbly be still, to rest in it, nest in it, fully be blessed in following my Father's will. Oh, taught the kids that this year. 
They loved it so much. They said, Mr. Freitas, can we do that for Education Sabbath? And we did last Sabbath. Oh, love music. But how do we know what God's will is for us? How do we know what God's will for us? There's a story about a farmer, and he's working in the fields, and he looks up in the sky and he sees the clouds form the letters P and C. And he goes, oh, okay, Lord, preach Christ, preach Christ. So he says, yes, the Lord wants me to preach. So he goes and he starts preaching, and he holds an evangelistic series, and he's not doing very well. He's not gifted. In fact, it's not even what God wanted. And it's not working out, and he's like, I don't understand. P.C., preach Christ. And a good friend went up to him, maybe God meant plant corn or something, <laughs> but it surely wasn't, not for you. But, you know, we want to know what God's will is for our lives. Let's forget the clouds. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.15. Because all of us, we, we want to, we're like, Lord, show us your will. Show us, not the present, but the future. Show us everything. Oh. The Lord's very careful and wise to only give what we can handle. It says here, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh. And, you know, so I'm reading that. I'm reading that, and I think to myself, okay, I'm getting a glimpse of God's will, and then I turn to this book. A few years ago, we, God put this book into our, our hands, and... It's uh, written by Oswald Chambers. Uh, i got to say this correctly. A, a man of great faith. Because he's not a great man of faith. But he's a man of great faith. Right? you got to watch how you word things. Because just the slightest change in words can alter everything. But listen to what he says. And this is, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to just use this. I'll turn this off. I'm going to use this. Yeah, I'm going to use this. That way I can hide behind this. All right. Uh, this is one of, the, one of the things about will you go without knowing? And uh, Hebrews 11.8 is the title of this, uh, of the, uh, of this uh, 
devotional. And it says, he went out, not knowing whether he went. But over here, it says, January 2, have you ever, have you been asking God what he is going to do? Have you ever asked God what he's going to do? And the next sentence, wow. Have you ever, have you been asking God what he's going to do? He will never tell you. He will never, I got to, I got to just stop for a sec. In fact, maybe I should turn this back so I can sit down for a moment. Have you been asking God what he's going to do? He will never tell you. God does not tell you what he is going to do. He reveals to you who he is. Oh. I hope this is I hope these words are the words that you think about as you drive home tonight and tomorrow. He reveals to you who he is. Wow. That's enough to stop me. And so, so I'm a thinker. I mean, I talk a lot, but there are times where I'm just sitting there and people are like, what are you doing? And I'm a thinker. I love activities. One activity where you do a lot of thinking is yard work. You're working in the yard, working in the garden, and all these ideas start flooding in your mind. But man, does this mean we should forget about the will for a moment and figure out how we can have God reveal himself to us. And how do we have our God reveal himself to us? It's about getting our relationship with God. It is about our relationship. Another song. This song goes like this. the time comes, I want him to know me. When the time comes, I want to be there. When the time comes, I want to be ready. When Jesus comes to take me, take me Getting to know who God is. So generally, looking at Ephesians and generally looking at what Oswald Chambers says, it's about, once again, oh, that's okay. Basically, it is be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. So God's general will is about being filled with the Spirit not worrying about what he's going to do, but but being filled with him. But still, people want to know what's going to happen. They're like, what's going to happen? You know, I, I think about the parable of the talents where God gave to each person, and he gave to one, maybe one talent, one two, one five, and to each person, he gave a specific amount. 
And it takes me back to 1 Corinthians 10.13, where there hath no temptation taken you, but such as come to man. But basically where God will never give you what you are not able to handle. God won't give you what you can't handle. But with, with a temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I wonder if the temptation is not having faith in God and relying upon self. Pastor Kayla and I used to talk about how the devil doesn't have to do much. He just kind of sits on the side and watches the human race self-destruct. And then once we get over ourselves, then the devil says, okay, I better get in there. But in the meantime, he just watches and watches self-destruct, getting over ourselves. You know, a lot of us want to know what's going to happen ahead. And I have a friend named George. And every time he wants to take his family on a vacation, he can't tell them. He can't tell them because they get overexcited and they start acting differently. And so what he does, he starts packing up their clothes and he and his wife, they start packing up the clothes and they won't tell him until the day before. Hey, guess what? We're going to California. And the kids are like, whoa, we're going to California when? Tomorrow. Yay, we're going. Because once upon a time, he tell them two months before, are we going tomorrow? Are we going tomorrow? Uh, no, no, a couple weeks, okay. And they start packing their stuff, all the pajamas and the suitcase. Two months, before, no, no, no. The behavior is changed when we know the future when we shouldn't know the future. Maybe we can't handle the future. Maybe it is not for us to know God's will, except that we should be closer Resting and nesting in him. Yeah. But still, the self comes flying out of me. I want to know what's going to happen. Lord, I want to know your will. I remember when I was younger, I, uh, giving my heart to God, and I said, Lord, I give you everything. And the Lord said, that's great. Everything that you're thinking of right now, you're giving to me. But there are so many areas in your mind that you're not even thinking about right now. But he didn't say that. He said, thank you, Joy, I love you too. And I said, okay, Lord. Then he said, well, Joy, will you let me choose who you're going to marry? I was like, oh, Lord. I'm going to have to get back to you on this one. (laughs) You know, I mean, we think. We say, Lord, we're ready. And then Lord says, what about this? And then we give that to the Lord. And the Lord says, well, what about this? Yes, I love you, Lord. Okay, okay, I'll give you that too. And the Lord says, what about this? Lord, come now. We're ready. We're ready. What about this? And I said, Lord, I don't know. Finally, I said, Lord, I'll marry anyone you, you, you put in my, my life. I will marry anyone. It's funny. But there are... Uh, A lot of people are afraid to let God lead. I mean, they let God lead, but they're afraid of God's will. I was in a board once, and we had to choose a new teacher. 
And they said, Joey, we want you to be involved in this process of choosing a new teacher. And I said, I don't know who to choose. I wouldn't know what to look for. They said, Joey, you're the principal. I said, I don't care. What church board would have chosen the 12 disciples? What school board would have said, Saul of Tarsus is going to be the next evangelism that's going to be preaching? So I said, I, I, I cannot, I can't be a part of this process. So they said, okay, look, look, we'll, we'll put it out. And they put it, they, they did what is done what makes sense to the world. You know, you put it out and you, you put the ad out and you put it in. And we got 35 applications for one teacher spot. They said, Joy, we need help. I said, I don't know who to choose. Because in the world's eyes, we look at education, years of experience. We had some that wrote papers, some that taught in multi-grade schools, some that could speak other languages. Who do you pick? I said, well, you guys won't like this. How about this? How about we send them a letter? We, we send everyone this. Tell us how you know God is leading you to our school. Tell us how you know God is leading you to, your, uh, to our school. Because I tell you, God does not lead with confusion. Don't have time, but January 4. January 4 on this one says, uh, there are times when you cannot understand why you cannot do what you want to do. If there is the slightest doubt, then God is not guiding. God does not lead you with doubt. Whenever, whenever there is doubt, don't. Whew. And so I said, look, God would never say, I want you and you to fight it out and let me the best man win. That's not God's way, right? So what do we do? So I said, okay, tell them all, write us back a letter, how you know that God's leading you. And the responses came back, dozens of them. Oh, you know what? God is not really leading me. I mean, I just wanted to come to Hawaii. I thought it'd be nice. We have good vacation. I'm at the end of my teaching career. I thought a year or two on the Big Island would be beautiful. Uh, God is not leading me. We had someone say, you know, I've been a teacher for 25 years. I've never had anyone ask me this question. God is not leading me to your school. I'm sorry. We had 30 people pull out their applications. But we had five still left. And, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, biblical, biblical. I mean, I look, everything, that, everything in this life, you can find a parallel. Every good thing you can attribute to God, of course. But you can find parallels. When you guys brought uh, that box up here, oh, we just got scrap pieces and made this. I mean, God uses us, scrap pieces. I mean, I'm sitting here just giggling. I'm like, man, on that box. And then uh, we had the brother Shane over here. The Bible, in my opinion, could go on forever. The book of Shane. Because what is the Bible? A collection of what God has done. And we could look at each other's lives, and the Bible would go on forever, blessing everyone. That's why the testimony time that you guys hear, 
is more powerful than what I'm saying right now. Because it's actual evidence of what God is doing. Maybe in, 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 in what I say, I better glorify God even more so that I don't diminish what you're doing here. But in hiring that teacher, four applications left. And one application said, the Lord is leading me, and this is how I know. And upon reading that letter, you knew God had chosen that person. But the board said, one person on the board said, no, I, I think I know that person. I don't think it's going to work out. I know, I know that disciple. I know that disciple, Peter. Or I, I know Saul. It's not going to work. Saul could never. Maybe, God, maybe that's why God had to do the light on the road to Damascus. Because God said, you know, I can't find anyone that would actually go to Saul right now. No one would believe me. God asks us to believe in the unbelievable. And so, and so, at that time in my life, I was very weak and uh, very shy and weak. And I couldn't say anything. I was not bold enough to stand for God. And so they said, look, look at this application. Oh, the one that you like, Joy, we're not going to do that one. But this other one, this woman, she's taught in small school. She was a principal. She speaks a couple of languages. Uh, she's published. This will work out. Halfway through the year, she said, I got to go. Man's pick did not work out. But what was worse was the one that was chosen that didn't get to come. She wanted to come. She knew God was leading her to come. We did not choose her. We didn't do our part. What an awful feeling that must be. I know I'm supposed to go there, but it takes two motions. And so I called her, and later she was bitter because she goes, I don't know what to do. And then I think about Abraham and the mistakes he made and Ishmael. And God said, I'm going to bless you even though this was not my plan anyway. You know what I mean? So God makes a way. That's another song. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. I'll be singing this while I'm surfing. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day, he will make a way. He will make a way. When it was my turn to go to, uh, when it was my turn to go to the Hilo school, God, God knows how to get my attention without doubt. He doesn't do the burning bush. He'll do the burning forest kind of thing. Gets my attention. Joey, I want you to go to Hilo. I'm, really? I want you to go back to Hilo. Really, Lord? Joey, do I have to set the, the whole island on fire? You need to go. So I, I get there. And when I get there, the board tells me the biggest mistake I've ever heard before. They said, Joey, I'm sorry, but we don't have a decision for you today. We're actually split on our vote. Four of us wanted you, and four of us don't want you. I think to myself, why would you tell me that? Because if you eventually choose me, then I know only half of you are backing me up. <laughs> it's like when President Bush and Al Gore, when the 
U.S. was split 50-50, whatever president won had to know that half the country was behind, wasn't behind him. And so I'm looking at that school board person and I'm like, why'd you tell me that? And then I think to myself, if a board is divided, is, does that mean God is telling half the board one thing and half the board another thing? Does God work in confusion that way? There is doubt, don't. And so, oh man. You know, and one other thing that's crazy is some people make their own calculated choices and then say, oh, it was God's will. Think about it. No, I'm saying, yeah, right? Well, they go like this. Um, well, I guess it was meant to be. Well, it turned out this way, it was meant to be. Well, if God, it happened, so God wanted it to work out. I was in another school where they got rid of a couple of teachers, and someone from that board I, I, I walked into, and I said, how, you, how are things doing? And they said, well, a lot of things have been going crazy, but you know, I guess that's the way God wanted it to be. God gets his way, doesn't he, Joy? I said, no. God rarely, rarely gets his way. They're like, what do you mean? You mean God, did God want Adam and Eve to eat from the fruit? Did God want Cain to kill Abel? Did God want Moses to strike the rock? You know, I could go on forever. And they're like, I'm like, God doesn't get his way. God had a perfect will. He said, I'm going to build life, humans. I'm going to give them choice. And my will is... Because of, uh, I like to call it God's perfect will and then human intervention. Forget divine intervention. God's perfect will and then humans went and messed it up. God is the master of plan B. He will take scraps and make, make something wonderful. And so God is the master of fixing our messes. Human intervention has messed things up. So in my mind, God's will is, look, my original plan was to create life and that we all love and spend time and be together. No matter what happens in here, my will is that we're going to be all together with love and spending time. And what happens in between is a series of our choices. Some people, I remember... I imagine, I'm a parent, and I like to remove every terrible thing out of my house, but if I was in charge of the Garden of Eden, I would have taken out the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That way, nothing could go wrong. Right? Then people don't know how to make choices, because they don't have the opportunity to choose. I was reading a paper in college, and it was talking about how the young people today uh, watch out, Joey. The young people today have a hard time making choices because a lot of the times, wrong choices are altogether ignored, um, set aside to the point where they don't, people don't make good choices because they choose it. It's because that's all they have to choose from. Wait a minute, Joey. Watch out, Joey. Something to think about. 
God put the tree in the garden. Yet he didn't want Adam and Eve to go to the tree. Do you think God talked to Adam and Eve about the tree? So as we raise our children, they must be aware so that they can make an educated choice for God. Or else they don't know how to make choices. Oh. And for those of us who really want to know what God is doing, someone once said, God is always doing something. Isn't God always working? So what we must do is open our eyes and see what God is doing, recognize what God is doing, and align ourselves to his will. God is always working. But some people will only do that only and become reactionary Christians. They forget the most important part is dwelling and being in communion with God. Because it's not enough just to say, oh, what's God going to do next, and just jump in. Because you missed the, the most important part. The most important part. Most important part, being filled with the Spirit. Well, you know, my time is gone. Wow, that was fast. My wife will tell me how well I've done in the car on the way home. And she'll give me a grade. And then she'll tell me if I'm allowed to do this in Hilo in July. But it's okay. Because, uh, no offense, honey, I'm going to listen to what God is. I'm going to fall. But I tell you this. In school, we were studying. We were studying the story of Martin Luther. Two books about Martin Luther. Wonderful. And uh, Martin Luther, of course, he was summoned to go up to Rome, I mean, in Rome, to go to uh, see the emperor. And Martin Luther is like, wow, what an opportunity to go speak to that audience. And people are like, aren't you afraid for yourself? Aren't you afraid for your life? He goes, no, I'm not afraid. And upon leaving... Uh, he had to flee for his safety. He had to flee for his safety, and uh, he's heading back home, and he has to cross rivers, and finally some people wanted to take care of him, so they, they kind of captured him, took him to that fortress. Remember that fortress, that story about the fortress? And he's up there, and, you know, you guys, open your hymnals with me. We're going to jump through the story just a little. Five oh six. I tell you folks, I love, I love music. And so what happened is um, Martin 
Luther is with his, uh, the, his young man, uh, Carl, and they're up in this castle, and it's high up on the rocks, and as they look out in the day and they look down, it, it, it's not possible to escape. They had not known at that moment that their captors actually saved them. And so they're up on the rocks, and Martin Luther is not even worried about anything because he doesn't care about the future. The future is not important. It's his relationship with God. And so he, he's writing these words. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our, our helper, he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. And so young Carl says, hey, um, uh, uh, Martin Luther r r writes a little more. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. And so young Carl says, who are we talking about? Maybe some people might think it's, it's you, Martin, or he goes, oh, dost ask who that may be. So whoever's asking who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Isn't that wonderful? Christ Jesus, it is he. We cannot do this life on our own. We should not worry about the future. We must abide with Christ. We must abide with Christ. Martin Luther once said, if it were the will of God, if it were the will of God, I would plant an oak tree today, even if I knew Christ were coming tomorrow. Because it, it may not make sense to the world, but following God's will or following God's direction always makes sense. Abide with Christ. Let's sing together, Almighty Fortress. Won't you stand with me? Hymn number 506. <laughs> 